The High Museum of Art in Atlanta presents a new exhibition of rare prints, color charts, and drawings from Brooklyn-based artist Cause. Visit Cause Prints at The High through March 27th. Get tickets at high.org today. Now at the High Museum of Art in Atlanta, visit Disrupting Design, Modern Posters, 1900 to 1940 through April 24th, 2022. The exhibition surveys the origins of modern poster design from the collection of Merrill C. Berman, who focused on 20th century radical art. Get tickets today at high.org. You're listening to Culture Clash on CL Radio, a look at the performing arts, the visual arts, and the literary arts all over Atlanta. Welcome to Culture Clash. I'm your host, Jill Melanson. If you're a person of a certain age, you remember the ubiquity of Stuckey's throughout the United States. Stuckey's was founded by Sylvester Stuckey as a roadside pecan stand in Eastman, Georgia in 1937, hoping to cash in on the increase in automobile traffic coming to and from Florida along the eastern seaboard. Later, his wife Ethel added her homemade candies to the mix, including the iconic pecan log rolls. These roadside stands became a roadside empire. At its peak in the 1960s, there were 368 stores featuring the famous teal blue roof in over 30 states, offering souvenirs, restrooms, gas, and of course, their famous candies. Sadly, the empire began to dwindle in the 1970s down to just a handful of stores. Son Billy Stuckey, who was also a five-term congressman from Georgia, acquired Stuckey's and began to turn the company around back in 1984. Billy's daughter Stephanie, who has also been a state representative, took over as CEO in 2019 and really began to focus on the pecans. Today, there are 65 licensed locations, their own pecan and candy plant, and around 200 retailers who sell Stuckey snacks and candies. Stephanie Stuckey, welcome to Culture Clash. Thank you. It's my pleasure. I want to get this first question out of the way right up front since you are an expert. I need you to settle the argument once and for all because this has been a family argument for years. Is it pecan or pecan? Yeah, I was afraid you were going to ask that because... We have division within my own family uh-huh. on how to say it. So it's interesting. There's actually four ways to pronounce it. It's all <laughs> in the uh, accent that you put on the syllable. Uh-huh. So it can either be, well, there's four options. It could be pecan, pecan, mm-hmm. pecan, or pecan. Right. So I think I should just start saying pecan to totally throw people off <laughs> and scratch your heads like, what are you saying? But the national... Pecan Growers Association did a survey, and 70% of Americans say pecan. So if you want to, if you want to use what's the most popular, it's pecan. But the second is pecan, and that tends to be more colloquial. Yeah. I'm from Middle Georgia. I went to a talk in Cordell, Georgia, and I asked how many people say pecan, how many people say pecan. And the majority of the room raised their hand for pecan. So, yeah, right. depending on where you are, exactly. they will be totally comfortable if you say pecan. Me, personally, I say pecan, except when I say pecan pie. For some reason, pecan pie just sounds better to Yeah, because I've always said pecan log roll. Like, I, I don't, and that's, and every, right. th- every time else I say, every other time I say pecan, I say pecan. But for that, I always yeah, say I pecan, say log, pecan roll. log roll. <laughs> so, I think it's, Whatever you want to say. <laughs> My grandfather once said there are pecans when you pick them and pecans when you sell them. So you kind of revert <laughs> to whatever you think the seller, is, you know, what, who you're selling to is going to want to hear. 
So I, I didn't I didn't settle for the bag, did I? <laughs> no, no, you just made things worse, I think. <laughs> I made it worse. Yeah. All right. Well, Stephanie, you you are a UGA uh, graduate, and you also went to law school there. I am. You, you worked as a lawyer. What what was it that brought you back into the family business, and and what were your first priorities when you first took the reins? So the family business was for sale. Mm. So that's what brought me back in. And frankly, there was no one else interested in buying it. Wow. So if I hadn't bought it, it would have been sold to someone outside the family who was really not interested. They had a couple of other buyers, is my understanding. And they were mostly interested in the IP and basically using the trademark. Mm. So maybe slapping the Sussie's logo on some T-shirts and calling it a day. Right. But basically, the, it would be the death knell of the of the brand. Mm. So I decided to sink most of my life savings into buying the company at age 53 at an age when I pretty much had my career set out for me and the field of sustainability was very happy doing that. But I just felt that this was a brand worth saving and continuing. I knew my grandfather. I loved my grandfather. I know what the what the brand can really mean. Mm. So that's that's why I took it back. My first order of business was really trying to understand the brand because I had not, or the company, I had not grown up in the business. My grandfather sold the company a year before I was born. It was out of our family for decades. My dad got it back, but he had Stuckey's as basically somewhat of a side business to his main company. And he thankfully kept Stuckey's alive and righted what was the sinking ship when he got it. But there was so much history there, and there was so much I needed to learn and understand about the company. So I really spent several months hunkering down, talking to my father, talking to my father's former business partners, going on a road trip to the 63 locations that we still have their license. We don't own or operate any of them, but obviously the stores are very much part of our brand. So I went and visited the stores. I talked with the store owners and the managers. I really have to understand the operations. We have a, at that point, we had a rented distribution center, so I spent time at the warehouse talking to that manager. So trying to understand the the business before I even began thinking about a strategic plan. Mm. So just understanding the business. And then the first order of business was, once I did that, I realized where we were making our money and it was from the sale of product. So I really started focusing on selling the pecan log rolls mm-hmm. and, and so that sent me on this adventure of buying a manufacturing <laughs> facility it took me a year but that's really what has enabled the company to turn around is that we now make our own candy and we shell our own nuts what, what I, one of the things I always loved about Stuckey's is that while they all you know look typically the same on the outside the inside sort of reflected their location selling things that were local and like yeah. you know convenience stores now you know they're all identical almost even where you could, would find the candy bars and the you know everything's the same but you guys always did it a little bit differently that's right I, I just think that was the beauty of what my grandfather did when he had to move the stores to the interstate highway, he had an opportunity to suddenly brand the company and the stores in a way that had some consistency to it. But he was very thoughtful in his approach that there was consistency in the quality and the exterior of the stores, like you said. We had this classic sloped teal-colored roof that Mm. people really would identify even from a pretty far distance. Right. But then once you went inside, you did have a sense of place. And I think that is something lacking in a lot of the chains, like you referenced. Mm. 
I don't see any reason why you can't have a chain but still have a sense of place. I'll tell you a company that's gotten that right, and I really admire them, is Mellow Mushroom. Mm -hmm. Because every Mellow Mushroom has a different look and feel, and you do get a sense of place. But there's consistency in the quality and the menu items, so you know you're getting... Right. You know you're going to get a good pizza when you go there, but it is a different experience wherever you go. So I think it is possible. I think it gets harder the bigger your brand and your company gets. So... There's almost a sweet spot, in my opinion, where you're not growing too big. You're at just the right size where mm. you can have more of a personality and a sense of culture to your brand. I think it gets really hard when you have, you know, thousands of locations or even hundreds of locations. Right. Well, another thing that was really unique about Stuckey's was the, the old locations were independently owned and they actually had... And I just found this out recently. They actually had living quarters in them for the people who ran yes. the place, which was usually, it was usually like a husband and wife team. And they, so literally yes. they lived for Stuckies. So cool. And I have talked to kids, especially because unfortunately a lot of the parents have passed on, but the kids have told me about the experience of growing up in a Stuckies and their living room was literally a Stuckey store. <laughs> so they, that's where they played. They played with the Wee Wee Willies and the Dunking Birds and the <laughs> Snow Globes and the Tomahawks and all the sort of classic kitschy yeah. stuff he's always sold. This one woman told me that she always had her birthday parties in the Stucky store. Wow. You know, they just took over the whole Stucky. <laughs> that would have been my dream as <laughs> a kid. Like, oh. <laughs> right? It was so cool. And so because of that, that gets back to the earlier point about every store having a unique, mm -hmm. unique flavor and a sense of place. Well, there were husband and wife teams that owned one store. So they didn't own every location. Right. They did that with Chick-fil-A, too. With very rare exception, it's one operator mm -hmm. who operates one location. And so there's a real sense of pride in belonging to the community. And it was literally their home. If you go in the old Stuckey's, you can see the living quarters. Wow. Uh, the Stuckey's in Johnston City, Illinois, in fact, the old living quarters is now a video poker room. <laughs> <laughs> and the kitchen is a bar. Wow. It's in the back. I'm not sure what my grandfather would think of that, <laughs> but I, I applaud their creativity. Nice. Stuckey's was the, the first retail roadside chain that offered gas, souvenirs, and a, a snack along with clean restrooms, something that, you know, we, we sort of take for granted today. It's sort of everywhere. But you guys were kind of the first to do that. And it was also one of the That's first, right. the first, of the, well, the few locations in the South that was never segregated, even during the Jim Crow era. And, and you know, now that this is the norm, is that something that you're particularly proud of or, or, or these things that, that you guys sort of pioneered, really? Absolutely. I think it is a story worth telling that we were the first roadside retail chain. Mm. There were others who did it, but not scaling it as a chain. So I like to say we were the OG of roadside retail. <laughs> we were before Bucky's and Pilot and Bob's and PA's and all these other right. places that now dot the highways and you see it almost every exit. So we really were the first. And so even though we're comeback brand, we can lay claim to being the very first and I, there's a sense of pride to that absolutely and there's a nostalgia and there's also a long history there so I hope that there's enough sticking power there that will help propel us into the future mm. and then as far as never being segregated I think my grandfather although I never had a conversation with him about it 
and unfortunately he passed on when I was 12. But I think he just was hospitable. That was sort of his brand. He had a saying, every traveler is a friend, and he was just very welcoming. And I don't think it ever even occurred to him to exclude anyone. Mm. And he didn't make a big deal out of it either. It was just all are welcome. And I think since we were a bit of an outlier on the interstate highway as opposed to being in the center of town where mm-hmm. it would be very obvious, right? If we had right. like a Woolworth that's in the center of Birmingham and you have this lunch counter and it's all very visible, like we were this highway location and people would pull in and out and they'd get gas and they'd get a quick snack and a souvenir and use the restroom and leave. So it just sort of operated on the periphery and I think that gave him a sense of freedom and enabled him to allow anyone to come to his stores without really getting a lot of fuss about it. Mm. So I think that enabled him to get away with it. Yeah. If, if, that, if that makes sense, you know, I think maybe some other white business owners might have gotten some repercussions, but thankfully he was able to do the right thing and not suffer any pushback from it by anyone. Mm. And as a result, I think, you know, history proves you right. Right. To wait a decade or two. Like, <laughs> he was on the right side of history, for sure. I think pecan log rolls just bring people together, you know? I think that's really had a lot to do right. with it. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, it just makes my day when I talk to someone who's African-American, especially, and mm-hmm. they tell me, as a kid, that is where they stopped. And it was, frankly, because it was one of the few places mm-hmm. where they could stop. Wow. Reliably stop. Yeah. You know, if you had the green book, you might be able to reference but just where you knew you could shop and you wouldn't have to worry about it you could shop at a stuckies now that these sorts of roadside chains are sort of the norm now what are some of the challenges you're finding in trying to bring back the brand in the current climate well that's why we're focusing on the product right Mm. now we're selling our product and we're making our product ourselves with our manufacturing facilities because it is such a competitive landscape now and my goal is in a few years as we grow, as we gain in profitability, to have a handful of flagship stores that are corporate owned and operated that can really be brand forward. But I see our future profit based primarily in the sale of our product. And so we'll sell our pecan log rolls to large retail chains mm-hmm. and to small mom and pop stores, You'll find us in state parks. I, I saw a guy the other night at a bar, and he was like, I was hiking at a state park, and I went to the gift shop, and there were Stucky's Log Rolls. Yeah. So you'll find us cropping up in all sorts of places. And we're still about the road trip. Even if we don't have as many stores as we once were, I very much like our brand to be associated with the spirit of adventure and fun you get when you travel and see America by car. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I take a lot of road trips myself, and I, I know that even though, you know, I stopped seeing the buildings, I, I never stopped seeing the, the Stuckey's logo somewhere, whether it was on a, a pecan log yeah. or something like that. I, you know, it was always kind of there. Yeah, and as we've rebranded our icon now, our little image that we use throughout our, our branding and our promotions is I call the Happy Car Family. It's, it's a family in a car, mm-hmm. and it's from one of my grandfather's old advertisement so it's it's actually some of our original design collateral we we used to use a carriage which i never quite understood it's like <laughs> a horse and carriage uh-huh. so i dispensed with that replaced it with a car and so i very much wanted to be a road trip brand yeah there are, from what I understand, there's still um, about 17 locations using the old Stuckey's buildings 
And I thought it was kind of, I don't know if sad or strange that none of those are in Georgia. I just so, I so associate it with the South. I would love to resurrect some of those old buildings. I do have them in a spreadsheet. I Mm -hmm. know where they are. Mm -hmm. I just need capital. Yeah. And I need someone who'd be willing to to own and operate that's, you know, some of those old stores. There's one on Richmond in Richmond Hill, Georgia, right at the exit. It's already operating as a gas station. They could Mm. easily convert it to a stucky. Right. The owner of that location is listening. Come talk to me. <laughs> yeah, give us, get in touch. <laughs> but I have talked to um, we, the owner, the, the East Aboga, Alabama store recently got new ownership, and that new owner is turning the location into a Stuckey's. Oh, great. The owner of the old Stuckey's in Hayden, Alabama, has turned that back into a Stuckey. So I'm finding as people are acquiring these stores that used to be a Stuckey, mm-hmm. now that our brand is getting more traction, the owners are calling me and expressing interest in turning them back into a stucky. So that's been really rewarding. Yeah, I'm so guessing it was... We're looking for those opportunistic moments. Right. I'm guessing that the, those people maybe were like kids back in the day, and so it's a nostalgic mm-hmm. thing for them as well. Well, what's interesting, the gentleman who bought the East Aboga store is from the Middle East. Wow. And did not grow up stopping at Stuckey's in the Middle East. But his banker... And Talladega, it's the same exit you take for the Talladega Motor Speedway. His banker knew it used to be a Stuckey's and connected us. He said, I think your brand, I think your store could do really well if you sold Stuckey's products. So wow. I went out there and met with him. And then our sales rep went out there and helped them set up the store and put in a purchase order and got them set up with the display racks and our programming. Uh-huh. And so... You can now buy Stucky's products there. So <laughs> interesting. It's one store at a time we're building the brand back. Well, and I know you opened a, a brand new, a freestanding Stucky's down in Perry, Georgia last year. Mm-hmm. Um, is the plan to continue right. to, to occasionally open up some new ones as well? Well, that's not corporate owned or operated. Though. Ah, so I see. We don't own or operate any of the stores. So right now we just do not have the financial or the human resources capacity to own and operate stores. So we're focusing on what is right realistic the product. For us. In 2020, you guys merged with Front Porch Pecans. How did that affect the Stuckey's recovery plan? It made us profitable. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do so it. <laughs> the, yeah, the owner of Front Porch Pecans, R.G. Lamar, is his name. He is my business partner. So we merged our two brands. Stuckey's is now the parent company, and Front Porch Pecans is one of the brands that we still sell. And together, we were able to combine our financial and our our human capacity to acquire a pecan shelling and candy making plant in Wins, Georgia. And so since we've been able to manufacture our own product, we're now profitable. When I, when I bought the company, it was not profitable. It was hmm. actually in debt. So we're now profitable. Well, and I know that too, you know, thanks to you running this, the candy and the pecan shelling plant in Wrens and, and a distribution operations center in, in Eastman, Georgia, you're providing a lot of jobs as well to those areas. Yeah, we are. I mean, we're, we're not Amazon and actually right. going down not far from our candy plant operation. But when I acquired Duckies, we had seven employees and we're now at 63 full time. Mm-hmm. And then we have some seasonal employees at the shelling plant. 
So seasonally, we'll get up to 100. So it's nice, yeah. I, I really like that we are employing people that were part of a community, that were part of the economic development. And we haven't made a lot of management hires, but one that we did make was hiring a human resources mm. manager. And he's really helped us develop a program where we, you know, we, we implemented some modest raises, what we could afford, but we did implement some price you know, some wage increases, and we put in place more benefits. Before, we weren't offering any health benefits. We now have health benefits. Mm. We have, you know, uh, a paid leave in place, which we didn't have before. So we really put a lot more structure. And then we've got some training now in place where people can have advancement and they actually understand the pathway to get to a higher wage level. Mm -hmm. So that's been a huge focus of ours is really making sure that it's not just providing jobs, but hopefully quality jobs that can be career jobs where people will feel like they have a home and have a yeah. future. Well, you know, now that people have sort of realized that COVID's not going to go away completely and we're, we're kind of learning to live in this new reality, they're finally getting back out on the roads, you know, and, and it's, it's so yeah. Stucky seems prime for a comeback as a result of that. I hope so. Well, and actually it's happening. Mm-hmm. Going from six figures in debt to six figures profit is definitely a comeback. Yeah. And we just want to continue on that trajectory. The future is bright for us. I, I know as a kid, we, we used to take road trips at least once a year, usually a couple of times. And it was always, you know, Stuckies and Howard Johnsons that I remember the most about those trips, probably because of all the bright colors, you know, as a kid. Those were the things that really stood out. But how often do people... You know people what's so cool? I just got from... Someone I know through social media, just it, the, the wonderful thing is all the people you meet who yeah. connect with the, not just connect with the brand, but connect with the road trip. Mm-hmm. And he wrote to me about the last, there's only one Howard Johnson left wow. in America. And he wrote to me about that last Howard Johnson that he had been there. And I said, Oh, it's on my bucket road trip list that I've got to go see it. And he actually sent me a souvenir hat from the store, and it says, it's got the Howard Johnson's logo on it, and it says, Lake George, New York, the last one standing. Oh. So I need to visit that, and then the the only blockbuster still standing. Yeah, right. I, I don't really, I want to see that. I want to see yeah, that. in Oregon. Uh, you guys have a, a place on your website for folks to share stories, so I'm guessing that people come up to you all the time and share their memories of Stuckey's. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I probably get five or six a day. <laughs> wow. I love it. I never tire of it. <laughs> I mean, that's why I bought this company is because the associations that people have and the memories and right. the emotional connection, I think that's something you just cannot place a value on. And so technically on paper, yes, the company was not doing well when I bought it, but the value of the brand, it's like those commercials, right? It's mm-hmm. priceless. Right. Yeah. And I think that you know, part of this, your renaissance is, is playing on this nostalgia angle. And, and I noticed on your website, you know, there's, you guys have a lot of merchandise, like t-shirts and things like that, you know, for all these people who have those memories. And the merchandise is really taking off. And so one of the other early things I did was invest in some branding. We didn't have a whole lot of money to spend, but we did invest in really good graphic design work. And we have two graphic designers we work with and they're both just amazing. And so that has been a big part of our turnaround is making sure that we strike the right balance between mm-hmm. being nostalgic but also having a fresh take right. on the brand. 
Well, and I think that, you know, with social media, uh, certainly you've become very active on social media. Your love of road trips there is, is great. Is a great follow. Your Instagram is a wonderful place for people to keep up with what's happening with Stuckies and where you're traveling yeah. to next. Um, tell everyone how they can follow you and the Stucky story through your social media. Yes, so LinkedIn is probably where I'm the most active, and that's just my name, Stephanie Stuckey. Mm -hmm. uh, and I also have a professional page on Facebook that's Stephanie Stuckey. Twitter and Instagram are at Stucky Stop. And I'm actually now on TikTok at Stucky Stop, and I have a YouTube site as well. Wow. But I'm, I'm working on the YouTube. I had lunch with a guy who does a lot of marketing. Mm -hmm really pushing me to just put myself out there on the video content so that's my next thing that's put some more video out there well stephanie thank you so much for being on the show i'm i'm such a fan of the brand and you know it thank just you. it's such a special place you know like I, I think anybody of a certain age stuckies is like that you know <laughs> that memories of childhood you know it sort of encapsulates it thank you well my dream is that it'll be beyond a certain age right people will discover our brand especially millennials and Gen Zers. I think if you enjoy a road trip, which should mm -hmm. defy all demographics, then you should like our brand. So next time you take a road trip, that's the time when you treat yourself. Go right. get a pecan log roll. Absolutely. It. it keeps you awake. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. It definitely does that. There's just a little bit of sugar in there. Just a little. You know, we're not in person. I would be, I would hand you a pecan log. Oh. I'm glad. I'm kind of glad we're not because of yeah. that. Because <laughs> I would definitely take you up on that. Thank you so much for yep. being on the show, Stephanie. I really appreciate it. Thank you. You've been listening to Stephanie Stuckey of Stuckey's on Culture Clash on CL Radio. Get in touch with us on Twitter at CL underscore Atlanta or email me at Jill at CreativeLoafing.com. You've been listening to Culture Clash on CL Radio.